perform a miracle in the name that is above every name. We need, Lord, your presence. We believe, Lord, that you are able. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God, praise God. You may be seated. We started today talking about what is the good news. And I know we all know that good news is another word for the gospel. And it is the gospel of Jesus and the gospel of the Lord. And uh, the gospels are the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because they tell us about Jesus. They tell us about who Jesus was and is and why he came and <clears throat> we were looking at that. We, this was our last slide. We ended in Romans the fifth chapter where he says, Paul says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations works patience, and patience experience, experience hope. Hope makes not a shame because, notice this phrase, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, how? By the Holy Ghost. That's why, and uh, Brother Gators was so kind that he became a perfect bookend, if you will, and represented that, that understanding of the righteousness of God is, was paid for at Calvary through the blood of Jesus. And you saw me leaning on him, and you saw him um, he's asking him to pay my $10 debt. And, and that probably was not a good example because I probably should have asked much higher. Brother Gators is a very wealthy man. I should have said, you know, I've got a $2 million debt and I have no way of paying it. But he does. But that would be the kind of debt that I owe the Lord. Yeah. The $10, I may scrounge around. I've got a couple bucks in my pocket now. I may be able to generate $10. But I can't pay the debt of my failure to keep the law. You, you understand? The debt of sin that I owe. And I'm I'm just I'm I'm just kidding. He's actually he two million would be nothing for him to pay, Brother Gators. But um, anyway, so if any of y'all need a loan, see Brother Gators after church. <laughs> just kidding. It's not. But then I said he gave you me the gold credit card, and maybe it would be platinum in his case, or the special credit card that would be, you know, to pay large debt and a type of what Christ has done. And I, I recognize that, you know, 
<clears throat> then I, I let him, he put his jacket on me and he put his righteousness on me and, and the, trying to illustrate not only the forgiveness of my sin, but the justification and the sanctification, the putting not my righteousness, but his righteousness. Now I realize that Brother Gators has an unlimited supply of money. And Sister Vicki, his wife, just buys whatever she wants on his credit cards without abandon. She just goes down and if she wants it, she sees it. New yacht, new boat, new condo. She just, she's got the, you know, the maximum express V card. Not, you know, that, that was exaggeration, all right? That was said exaggerated. Because what I, I want you to understand, and, and this is important because Paul basically wrote about it in Galatians, the second chapter, when he said, we who are Jews by nature were the children of Abraham. We were not like the sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ. It's meaning the Jews have believed in Jesus Christ. That we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But then... He goes on to say, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified by, with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. That's like wearing the coat. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. Then you know what he says next? I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came, come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. What was he saying? Another place he said, what then shall we say? Should we continue in sin because I have his credit card? What did Paul say? God forbid. Just because the Lord has wrapped me in his robes of righteousness and he has given me his platinum card when I mess up doesn't mean that I go off and go, I'm going to satisfy any of the desires of my flesh and live like I want and do what I want and just lay down the card Why? Because even Sister Vicky knows there's a limit to how many 
supersized lots you can, yachts you can buy before her husband's going to say, honey, what is this? How many of these boats do we have to have? Huh? There's a limit, you know, to how much she gets to spend because now I know you say, well, but Brother Gators has a finite and our God has an infinite. Yes, but because I love the Lord, I don't want to do that to the Lord. If I am looking at him as my cash cow, well, what the Lord means to me is my get out of hell free card then I've got the wrong relationship with Almighty God. That's why to the Corinthian church, Paul said it like this, the love of Christ constrains us. In other words, what's supposed to keep me in check is not my fear that I'm going to hell or my fear that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the Lord angry or my fear of what somebody's going to say, but my love for Almighty God ought to be the fact that, oh, because you have been so good to me, because you have done so much for me, how can I not serve you and do my best to live for you? One of the powerful stories, my wife wrote a song about this story and another story in the Bible, and I kind of a combination of them both takes place in Luke, the seventh chapter. And she can probably preach these next few slides better than I because she felt this woman's feelings as she wrote Alabaster Box. But it tells the story. One of the Pharisees desired that he would eat with him. Read this story very carefully. A Pharisee, a, a holy religious man came to Jesus and said, I want you to come eat with me. And, and so then it got out. And I don't know how it got out. I don't know who talked. I don't know if the servants, I don't know if... If it was somebody in the Pharisee's house, this woman knew somebody. I, I, don't, I don't know how the word got out. But there was a woman in the city that heard Jesus is going to this house to eat. And the Bible is very clear when it says she was a sinner, which was a sinner. And she knew, somehow she knew. I don't know how she knew, but she wanted to get into the presence of Jesus. I don't know what had happened. I don't know what all the Lord had done for her. If this was Mary Magdalene, if this was another Mary, whomever this was, the Bible, right here in these scriptures, it doesn't say. In another one of the gospels, it has another story. And we can try to, we can melt, you know, uh, sort of melt them together, bring them together. But here it was. And she sat at meat at the Pharisee's house. So I don't know what it was, but she goes, Jesus is going to be there and I know I'm a sinner and I know what he's done for me and I know how he's made me feel yeah. <clears throat> he has been my right this was even before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost but there was something about the way he had treated her something about the way he had said something to her she felt like I have been forgiven I have been delivered I've been set free 
whatever it was that the Lord had done for her. Healed her brother, healed her family, set her free from devils. I don't know exactly, but something had moved her. And she was so in love that she went home and she got, because you know, she didn't walk around every day with her alabaster box full of ointment, but she heard Jesus was going to come to a house. So she made her way through her streets. She got her box. She hid it under her robe. However, she carried this. This was her, this was her money. This was about a year's worth of money. And she came in and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, the Pharisee, which had done the original invitation, saw this, what was going on. And the Pharisee, who wasn't madly in love with Jesus, makes the mistake of having a thought. And Jesus read his mind. And he, the Pharisee said, if this guy was really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman was touching his feet. Because that matters. What kind of person she is. What he didn't understand is what really mattered was Jesus was at his house. Jesus had come by his house. Man, he should have been so thrilled about Jesus being there, he should have cared less who else was there. Huh? I don't know if she was the cook, the cook's helper, the washwoman. I don't know how she gained entrance. He thought, I know what kind of person she is. And so Jesus, you know, how he does for all of us, he calls him out. It's like, I read your mind. Ever had the Lord do that to you? I know what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. And so he said, Simon, let me ask you a question. Now this was Jesus' way of trying to, you know, spur a little thinking on in Simon's head. And he says, Simon, let me ask you a question. There's a guy who, you know, a certain man has two debtors, one that owes 500 pence and the other that owes 50. So one that owe, where owes 500 bucks and the other that owes 50 bucks. And the, the, the man that owed uh, 500 and, and they came in, they had nothing to pay and they begged the man Master, please forgive me, and the Lord forgives them both. Simon, tell me, who loved? That's the love of Christ. Who loves the most? That's the question. Who loves the most? And Simon, in his analytical, logical mind, says... Well, I suppose the guy that was forgiven the most. The guy that got forgiven 500 bucks loves more than the guy that got forgiven 50 bucks. And you know how Jesus answered him? That's right. That was a great answer, Simon. You judged correctly. And he turned to the woman and he said unto Simon, look at this lady. I entered into your house 
You didn't give me any water to wash my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears. You didn't regard me when I came in as a special guest. A, 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 a common courtesy in that culture would have been to wash their feet because they've walked outside in the dust and it was just a common courtesy to have somebody bring water and say, would you like to refresh yourself before we eat? It's like saying, would you like to wash your hands? You know, during COVID, it's like, do you need to use the bathroom? Here we go. That would have been the common courtesy, but they didn't, Simon didn't even offer Jesus that common courtesy. And then he said, not only that, but you know, she, uh, you didn't anoint my head with oil. You didn't give me something sweet to smell and knowing that, you know, that at this moment I've walked through, you know, they didn't have a great plumbing system and I've walked the streets and I've had all kinds of smells in my nose and now I'm wanting to come in and sit down at your food and, and, and I, you know, just to have a nice candle burning, huh? Anybody ever do that when you have guests coming by, you know? Put in the Glade plug in and light a candle. Because you got cat odor or dog odor or chicken odor or, or just beef curry odor from what you've been cooking. Huh? Anybody do that? Not us. We don't do that. It's an anointing. It's a sense of smell. It's to give an ambience. It's, uh, you know, love it at Christmas time. The smell of, of Christmas trees and, and apples and cinnamon and all the spice. Anyway, he said, you didn't anoint me, Simon. You didn't regard me enough to give me an anointing. But this lady broke open her box of alabaster and poured that oil all over me and anointed me. And then he says, you didn't even kiss me. You didn't even greet me with a common courtesy of a kiss on the cheek. And this lady has been kissing my feet. He said, some amazing words at that moment. Her sins, which are many, she has a great debt. She owes $2 million. And she's walking out of here forgiven, Simon. Because she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said publicly unto her, in front of Simon, in front of the staff, in front of all the other guests, thy sins be forgiven. He immediately at this moment comes in and says, thy sins are forgiven and they that ate meat, sat at meat with him. You know what their response was? Who is this guy that thinks he can forgive sins? And Jesus turns to the woman and says, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. 
A lot of key things about that story, and I know I got more slides, but I know our kids are going to practice, and it's after six, and I get it. A lot of key events in this story, though, that I want to draw your attention to. First of all, she knew she was a sinner. She didn't jump up when Jesus told the story and said, this woman, her sins are many. She didn't go, now wait a minute, Lord. You know, that's, that's unfair. I'm bad, but I'm not as bad as Susie down the road. And I've never done what Jill did. She just said, yep, that's me. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Jesus has just said, her sins are many. She goes, yep, I own that. And then she got to hear those wonderful words, woman, thy sins are forgiven. You don't have to worry about all your past. It's gone, done, before the blood was even shed. I'm going to remit it right now. Jesus could do that. He did it to the thief on the cross, remember? Today, you're going to me at paradise. Before the blood was totally out of his body and he had given up the ghost, he said, thy sins be forgiven. But what was amazing about this, she had already felt that. So much so that she had gone home and found her box of everything. And she has said to herself, I'm willing to bring everything I own and put it at the feet of Jesus. That's why Jesus said she loves much. You see, when you want to lean on the righteousness of God, and if you want to say, I have faith in the righteousness of God. I have faith. I'm not justified by the law. It's not my works. But you have the only way it works for you to lean on that righteousness is that you maintain a love relationship with Almighty God that lets you, constrains you. It stops you from saying things. It stops you from doing things. You know, you just feel that little voice you feel that little prick you, 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 you've had the Holy Ghost run through you and, and, and I don't want to ask you to raise your hands anybody know what I'm talking about and I go oh Lord well it's not it's not as bad I, I know some people that are worse than I am and I, the moment I do that I'm now trying to stand on my own. The moment I justify how good I am, the Lord illustrated this numerous other places. You know, two guys in church, one saying, Lord, be merciful to me. The other one said, I'm glad I'm not as bad. Am I talking about 
What shall we say then? Shall I use that credit card, the grace of God? No, I don't use it willy-nilly. I don't use it just randomly. I try my best because I love him. I love him. I love him. I need to lean on him. When I'm going through it, am I perfect? No. I feel the Holy Ghost challenge me. I feel the Holy Ghost, you know, touch my heart and mind. But you know what? It doesn't make me think, well, I'm as good. I'm self-righteous. I'm not bad like so-and-so. At least I'm not like. It makes me realize how much more I love him. He's so good to me. He's forgiven me so much. I know. Time is up. What are you saying? And I, I, I could go into numerous other examples. And I don't know. I may continue some of this next week just because You've got to have this kind of bookend when you're being battered and when you're being hit. You've got to fall into the righteousness, not of yourself, but of Jesus. It's not a license to sin. It's not a license to live like you want. It's the privilege of being able to enter into his holy of holies by the blood of Jesus. It's the privilege of being able to come into his presence. And when I, I know I've messed up. I know I've blown it. I know I've said I shouldn't have. I wish, oh, I could take it back. I would, but I thank God for the blood. Thank God for the bookend. I know I don't deserve it. I don't deserve another. But 70 times 7, you said I have to forgive. So therefore, I know you forgive that much. And I humble myself. And I come back and raise my hands and begin to worship. Why? What are you doing? Are you, are you saying that, you know, that, you know, you, you deserve that you paid your dues? No, I haven't paid enough. I can't pay enough to feel one moment of what I feel. And the moment I act like I can move in and out of the Holy Ghost anytime I want is the moment I've missed the power of the bookend. The power of Christ is knowing it's not my jacket I'm wearing. It's His jacket I'm wearing. The power of Christ is knowing that I can't do this, but he can help give me strength. The power of Christ in the grace of the gospel, the good news is no matter how many trials and tribulations, no matter how much I'm buffeted, I have access into the holy of holies. Let's stand. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. The room grew you still. Hallelujah. As she made her way to Jesus, she stumbled through the tears that made her blind. <laughs> oh, God. She felt such pain. Does anybody love him enough? Saw unspoken anger, heard folks whisper. There's no place here for her, God. <laughs> Still on she came Through the shame that flushed her